Hey. Bonjour. Hi. Ciao. Hola. Ok. Thanks for joining us for... You sow what you hope to reap. We are glad you're here. Heck yes, we are. So, it's been a minute. It has. Since I had someone say to me today, oh good, it's actually coming out on Wednesday. <laughs> and yes, I, it will. And optimistically, I was like, absolutely it is. I think it will. I have complete faith in us. I as long too. as it doesn't stop recording at the 30 minute mark like it did that one time. That's that right. was such a stressful. We'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> um, so, before we jump in... We need to introduce each other. I, why do I always, I like seem to want to skip over that. Okay. <clears throat> Sitting across from me is the empathetic Jen Scott. And across from me is the very brave Elena Mormon. <gasps> like a hero. <laughs> so we were, before we started recording, we were just talking about how freaking jazzed we were after we did a presentation at the teacher convention for Southern Alberta. That was on Friday. Yeah. Um, and like, I think both of us, just on a cloud after, to have that many people want to hear what we had to say, like, took my breath away. I was completely taken aback by... I was too. I didn't expect that room to be full. And then when there wasn't enough room for all the people, I was like, <laughs> oh my word. And then just, you know, seeing all the people so engaged in there, I like, and the feedback we got after afterwards, it was oh so overwhelming. And... I mean, there was a lot of thank yous afterwards, but just that extra step of like the reach out and, and to, to truly express like a, like a gratefulness or like praise. I was blown away. Oh my gosh. Completely blown away. So, so like huge thank you to everyone who attended and for all of your like kindness. It's, it is, I guess that's that proof, um, that we're doing the right thing. It yeah. like it reignited like a passion in me. And I do you remember two years ago and I was like, Jen, I want to go to war. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got it kind of got quiet because we got pushback. Yeah. And I just we silently fought. And I, I like I feel yeah, inspired. I think it's more about learning how to have the difficult discussions. Totally. Right. And I I look forward to continue to learn how to have difficult discussions with you. I I know. I'm, I was so pumped. Yeah. I was on cloud nine for like two days. Yeah. The whole weekend. It yeah. was like, maybe I'm not an Im imposter. That's <laughs> right. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I not. am okay at this. Amazing. Okay. I was very proud of you too. I thought you oh were amazing. I was so proud of you. Like I was like proud to be up there with you. I was like, that's my friend Jen. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, like when you were talking, I was like just in awe of the things that you were saying. And then I remember you looked at me and I'm like, oh yeah, I have to go. Because I was just so <laughs> oh, really? like, yes, oh, I was so God. enthralled with what you were saying. Uh, and it's so one thing good. I love, like, do you remember like group projects when you were in like high school and you would finish the group project and you're like, I, I freaking did everything. Yeah. I've never felt that way with us. And like, it's funny because there was one point where I think I was going to say something and you just did like a little thing with your face where you're like, no. And I was like, okay. And I completely <laughs> changed the trajectory of what I was going to say. Oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But it was like these, these, I think doing the podcast and having, where it's just us in this little room yeah. by ourselves wearing our matching podcast our new shirts <laughs> so exciting but it's um we we have that like where we can kind of communicate mm -hmm. without communicating without the words i know i know it's good it's, that's good it is good it'll yeah. serve us well a little like eyebrow raises here and there that's to communicate right. <laughs> okay so this is um episode five chapter five titled the bikini industrial complex and while i think both of us were like Woo! Let's record. This chapter was infuriating. It was, yeah. But it was also, um, like, super interesting. Yeah, like, very informative. Yes. And because we don't want to skip over any of the amazing information that um, Emily and Amelia Nagoski share, um, we're going to maybe do a little bit more on the book report than we would normally do. Like yeah. really make sure we cover all of the bases. And if there is, if this is something that really speaks to you, I feel like this as like a take out and read chapter independent of anything else. Totally. It's, it is really good for that. Yeah. So, all right, here we go. So the chapter opens um, basically talking about how 
human giver syndrome doesn't want you to know that, you know, you're a little girl born perfect. And then immediately after that, you're infected with human giver syndrome. So we, we are basically the same beautiful little babies on the inside now, but we don't realize it because we're so worried about human giver syndrome and the bikini industrial complex. And the, one of the things that said in this section was like, where we comment on how beautiful every part of the little body, like every little yes. roll and everything yep. is just this beautiful rolls are healthy. Mm-hmm. The, the like extra pink cheeks or extra like rosy or extra this or whatever. It's all just that confirmation that that is a healthy child. It is. And then I was trying to think at what moment, like what's one of the first things that a little girl hears where suddenly that's called into question. Like I was thinking about this buying, I have two boys. So buying little girls clothes is like a very different world for me. Mm -hmm. And I just, the branding is so different. Every pair of little girls pants is little like leggings, skinny jeans, skinny leggings, Hmm. like even just that kind of like branding. Whereas boys, regular fit. Yeah. Standard fit. Yeah, I remember. And there is like, there is like a straight leg. And I think they do, they do like tapered as opposed to like, and there are men's jeans that are skinny, but either way, it's like, okay, girls are supposed to be this and boys are supposed to be this. And it starts in freaking infant clothing. It does. Yeah, you're right. I actually didn't think about that when I was buying clothes for my children when they were small, but you're totally right. Even 20 plus years ago, it was the same. Yeah. And I remember, um, my older son, he he grew very quickly. Like I think he was wearing like 18 months clothing at six months. Like he was a, wow, like just a, like a little tank of a human and so strong willed. So it just matched his personality. Like if he was going to do something, get out of the way. I had to find pants for him that were labeled like Husky. Really? Or like, and because he was larger than expected, a bigger waist. And I was like, he's, that's just his shape though. You know, this reminds me of my favorite quote from this chapter. I don't know if it was in this section, but it was this one. Uh, Relax your belly. It's supposed to be round. The bikini industrial complex has been gaslighting you. I, I, that one made me excited too. Yeah. And then I actually, it's funny, like this is us, we're volleying. Yes, we are. Um, That quote, I stopped when I read that and I went to my TikTok account because I know I had saved a video that kind of dealt with that. And it's a woman responding to a comment that she had got asking her what that ball was and it's that little bulge like between like her hip bones and she's like this is my uterus this is where my (laughs) uterus goes and she talks like there's ovaries and fallopian tubes and she says fallopian tubes that fallope that fallope (laughs) that made me so happy (laughs) and then she said and for men there's actually a void there and it's where they keep their audacity You'll have to send that to me. That's it hilarious. Was, it was, and of course, where they keep their audacity. It was a man that had commented, like, what's that? How do you get rid of that little? No, I yeah. vote we stop sucking in. I, I agree. Like, I remember in high school, like, sucking it in all the time. And just thinking, like, if I'm not doing that, then I'm, I'm not looking good. And that's so silly. I, I think the, that it should be, and instead of sucking it in, it's like, I want to have good posture. Yes. So pull shoulders down. But mm-hmm. with that to me, I think of like, that's a, that you're proud. Like you're not hiding, but it's not about sucking in. I don't know. Ugh. And anyway. you got a lot of work to do. <gasps> okay. So from there, it, it gives a case study um, in Fiji. So again, talking about how children are like immediately, as Jen said, infected with the human giver syndrome. So in Fiji in 1994, there was no television at all. And then because of that, well, the conclusion they're going to draw is no television and there were no eating disorders in Fiji at that time. So then 1995 rolls around and they bring in British and American television Three years later, 29% of girls had developed a severe eating disorder. And within three years of the introduction of television. So then I I looked at television as, and I think this is what they meant, um, 
is where they're introduced to that idealization of the yes. female body. Does that make sense to totally. you too? Okay. Yeah, exactly how I thought of it. And then it goes even further to say that 13% of those girls developed the symptoms that would become their severe eating disorder within a month of, of television, television being introduced. We're just so comparative. Y- yes. And, th- and we just, shouldn't be. No. And that's, I think maybe that's the really difficult part is like every, every bit I read, the farther I got into the chapter, I was like, it's all fake. It, I know. It's such a lie. It is. Yeah. But, and yet I'm getting dressed to go to work this morning and I'm making decisions based on aesthetically what works. And I finally chose mm. joy. That was a good choice. I chose joy. I like that. But still, like, it's so embedded. It's so embedded. So embedded. It's deeply ingrained yeah. in our psyche. In our psyche. Yeah, oh very for, very much from right after birth, right? The clothes that you wear. and So then how, in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, do you break down that narrative? Like, it, it feels... And I mean, they talk about this. It feels almost impossible. And thank goodness, and this is... Nagoski sisters for actually giving strategies but I, I get that that hopelessness like it makes sense yep. well, <sighs> it does it does okay um the one other thing that I was going to add um there was a couple other statistics that I thought were staggering and upsetting but but important for us to acknowledge okay by the age of six half of girls are worried about being quote too fat and these are north american statistics so no longer in fiji by age 11 two-thirds of girls will think of themselves as being too fat and they use the the in quotations too fat that must have been a question that had been provided on whatever um to like to build the statistics um okay what was the other one oh this, this one blew my mind okay One recent study of more than 4,500 adolescents found that 92% of them engaged in weight control behavior and 44% of them were using unhealthy weight control behaviors. So this is like an epidemic. It It is. it, it, It absolutely, it's not just, the fact that it's not isolated to specific places or anything either is, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm riled up. All right. Back to you, my friend. Back to me. Okay. So now I get, well, I'll define the bikini industrial complex first. Mm -hmm. So they define it as a hundred billion dollar industry that tries to convince us that our bodies are the enemy. When in reality, the bikini industrial complex itself is the enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the business that they're talking about is media, advertising, and even running into healthcare through the body mass index, that piece drove me nuts. Yeah. The, the BMI as a measure of human health, because it is not at all a measure of the human health. Kate Mann's new book, Unshrinking, which talks specifically about fat phobia. She talks about how, uh, there is a relationship between people who are, um, in the high level of obesity mm-hmm. and health risk, but there's also a worse relationship between people who are too skinny like and an having underweight. health underweight. So yeah. underweight people have more health risks associated oh with them than than people who are overweight um, or obese, I guess, because yeah. people in the overweight range mm-hmm. are usually healthier. Mm. So you can be overweight and much healthier than someone who is underweight. like normal weight yeah it's wild so it's like 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 a really big lie all of of it yeah okay huh so and i mean i think maybe jen and my's reaction to this is already kind of leading into (laughs) what is next but the the chapter then really gets into what the kind of cost is in association to this bikini industrial complex so they talk about um, the the time and money and the mental load. So it has that like that f- physical um, money spent on how how we shape our bodies or how we present our bodies. Um, think about every like 
weight loss pill, diet pill, um, every seven day program to lose something, your arms or legs function or like whatever it is, like we're so ready to give up whatever. And I, I think that that does damage in it in its own sense, but that mental load, especially when it's these like quick fixes. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that there's always something I mean, we have to get dressed every day. We're surrounded by mirrors. We're surrounded by other people. And that like judgment piece is that we talked about in our session. Those initial judgments are are very hard to kind of like get over. So they describe it as being a bunch of low level stress responses that are never completed. And the whole idea that those build up and you 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 can lead to burnout just by worrying about what your physical appearance looks like they also talk about thin privilege which which jen mentioned a bit already and the discrimination that and i i like the fat phobia that kate talks about in her new book that's is it kind of on par with this yeah some of the discrimination okay um so some of the examples they give are uh less pay at work bullying which i mean you you just talked about as well symptoms dismissed or ignored by doctors and Mm -hmm. and that's that one just took my breath away a little bit well because you you go in there and say you have symptoms and they say well go lose some weight instead of actually looking at the symptoms right and it's worse it is worse for uh women of color far worse which yes Mm -hmm. like ugh. okay um And then it talks about, oh, the body ideal is built into the physical infrastructure of society from the size and shape of airplane seats to the weight-bearing capacity of medical tables and mammogram machines. Mm -hmm. So there are women who cannot get a mammogram because the machine wasn't built to accommodate. Yep. Not that she's too big for it because no, she isn't. And that's one thing that I've, I've tried to do. Instead of saying, like, I don't fit in these clothes, it's these clothes don't fit me right. Mm-hmm. It just, that's, the try, but it's hard. Like, trying to just switch that you're trying to take the fault off of yourself because we're so quick to blame us because of this complex. Well, you, it's very difficult to buy clothes that fit if you're not a straight, and I mean, like, a line, yeah. straight person. Yeah. Well, and the fact that everything is, like, there's no not a lot of variation. Nope. Right. And it's it, it it's frustrating. Like the number of people I know who don't wear jeans for that exact reason. Totally. I remember when, you know, jeans were in style, but they were they started to become the low oh, the God. low cut ones. That gives I have like a trauma response to low rise jeans. Oh, low rise jeans. And uh and you know, shorts were a little bit shorter. Yeah. And there was a big there were problems at school, like girl, why are you wearing that girl? Blah blah blah. Mm. But what else are they supposed to buy? There That's were no the other clothes available for them to buy. That's what I've always, always, I've struggled with when it comes to dress codes at schools. Mm-hmm. What other, op- aside from making her own clothes That's or right. like literally adding fabric. Or or going to a, a tailor where you're paying five, ten times as much for yeah. clothing. And then it's like you're you're completely ignoring the the costs that people are able to put into buying clothing. Mm-hmm. It's It's ridiculous. So um, that this section really is those chronic stressors. And the one that the most, I think, shocking of the chronic stressors is just the the cost in our health as humans to the point that, and I'm, this statistic still shocks me because if you asked me highest mortality of any mental illness, my assumption would be depression because so much of depression and not all depression, but so much of depression is suicidal ideation, Mm -hmm. which can become suicidal planning and so on and so forth. The highest mortality rate of any mental illness is eating disorders, killing 250,000 people a year. Yep. That is a year Two Lethbridges just gone because this made-up idea of beauty has caused people to hate themselves. It's, oh my God, I, I, I just, I want to go hug like every little girl 
and tell her she's beautiful. And we're going to talk about how to do that. Not the hugging little girls, but like the, the perpetuating ideas of beauty that are not standardized. Yeah. Well, and they also talk about in there how it, it actually, you, I mean, you said eating disorders have the highest mortality rate, but it actually is dangerous to be fat in our, in our society or in the world. Not because you're fat, but because of the, mm, the yes. daily discrimination, exclusion and stigmatization, yeah. not being able to buy clothes at wherever you're shopping, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, yeah. you, you said it's a bunch of little micro... Um, it might be microaggressions. Maybe, like if well, you think of like comments or advertisements yeah. or trying, yes, to, trying to find so. a seat to sit in at the movie theater and someone's like, well, maybe find somewhere else to sit in an attempt to be like helpful. But really they're being like, well, you don't fit here. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I just, oh my God. Okay. It anyway. is disgusting. <sighs> All right. Well, and thin privilege, I don't actually know that I did talk about it, but. You just, you, you had mentioned thin But I think that but... was before. I think it was before we recorded. So they say thin privilege, sorry, thin privilege is as real a privilege. Thin privilege is as real as privilege associated with race, gender, and class. Yeah. And it, I feel that a lot. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay, So now why thinness? Mm. This is a little, one of those little... Uh, like stories they have in there, right? Little anecdote, yeah. Yeah, anecdote. So in here, Naomi Wolf uh, is quoted as saying, a culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. And I read that over and over and over and over because I think we are made to believe that it is, that thin is beautiful. We are supposed to believe that thin is beautiful. But they go on to talk about how women with thin bodies or thin bodies are the bodies of women that behave themselves uh, and live up to created expectations that men enjoy. And some women also enjoy that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just, just men. Yeah. Um, but if you have to be thin to be able to enjoy the privileges, then what happens to 99% of the world? Yeah. Right? Because yes. the ideal of thinness, it, it's impossible for most people to obtain yeah which um i'm gonna get to with the defended weight just what killed me in this anecdote was that it was the 19th century where someone was like no thin is good whereas before and i've seen like posts on social media about like i want to be one of those victorian women who is full figured who has no like concerns about her body and that body is celebrated like when I was in Italy last year walking around seeing different statues none of those women were this like no supermodel skinny no they were they were happy (laughs) they were happy and it there it shows it shows a completely different perspective than that which we're we are fed consistently mm-hmm. and the fact that that's i think of the 19th century is relatively new yep that's a new idea it is a new idea yeah and if, uh I, I mean i guess being fat was seen as being great because mm-hmm. it meant you had enough food to eat you could sustain yourself right yep. that kind of stuff you weren't starving to death exactly yes like it was a sign of health because you were able to provide That's right. and yep. now you know you talked a little bit about eating disorders mm-hmm. the, you are literally starving to your death yourself to death in some yeah. cases and living with an eating disorder is i mean it's so it's so traumatic yeah and it's like self-induced trauma in some yeah. cases so it's Ugh. very diff- i i do believe that it it might be one of the most difficult things to overcome yeah mm-hmm. yeah one other thing that really got me mm-hmm. in that section was the quote that size discrimination is the last haven of sanctioned prejudice oh and i was like holy crap because that's true we've talked yeah. a lot about racism we've talked about gender discrimination it's becoming mm-hmm. you know relatively mainstream to talk about these kinds of things but we don't talk about discrimination against people who are of size right persons of size that was one of the terms that they used that i was like that that feels but it's still like 
I struggled with even just like the terminology and they tried out a few different references to people who are considered to be outside of what the ideal is and that was one of the ones as well so there was a lot of different examples of ways that to refer to people's bodies yeah but that oh my gosh that one Jen like wow that got me like right to my core because it's so true like we you know you think of how your idea about racism has changed in your lifetime. Yes, yes. And your idea about discriminating against people who are fat hasn't changed much. Until now. I mean, I shouldn't say until now. I think all people are beautiful, but they're still always in the back of your mind. Or you hear people say, man, that person's a walking heart attack. Or like, get ready for diabetes, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like just because someone is larger does not mean they're going to have a heart attack or that they're diabetic. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Is that, is that, are you good? Do you have anything else? Well, there's a really billion angry? more things I could talk about there, but we'll save. So it, um, it goes into a section next called your new weight loss goal. And it's being somewhat tongue in cheek because the argument that they present is that um, a neuro- neuroscientist named Sandra Amut, uh, the term is defended weight. Yeah. So basically, this is a weight that your body is kind of like destined to be, so to speak, based on a variety of factors. And it's actually only a very small fraction of the population that can change their defended weight, like actually adjust what the defended weight is. So yes, anyone can like change things and modify their weight, but to modify and maintain is a very small part of the population, like minuscule part of the population because you're rewriting what your biology says is possible. That's right. And when I thought of it that way, I was like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Well, it's why dieting doesn't work. So if you diet to lose weight and you lose some weight, Mm -hmm. you gain it back plus more. And yo-yo dieting is actually worse for you than not dieting. Well, they say because it's the that the up and down puts so much pressure on your like internal systems, right? Is that that's kind of the yo-yo? Okay, it totally dysregulates your your body and your metabolism. Yeah, it's very bad for you. So when you, you know, are scrolling through social media and they're, you know, you're seeing ads for this new diet or whatever, don't do it. No. I, I, like that would be my advice to, to people. Just eat healthy food that makes you feel good. Yeah. And, and exercise, exercise to complete your stress response cycle. And to be healthy. So exercise and eat to be healthy, not to be thin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the distinction between those two. I, yeah, like super important. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Huh. Okay, the strategies. Okay, the strategies. So these are the strategies for battling the bikini industrial complex. And I was so happy that they put these in here. Mm-hmm. So the first one is called mess acceptance. And in this section, they talk about how you need to practice body acceptance. So whatever your body is, accept it. Embrace body diversity. So not everybody can look the same. Not everyone can be skinny, right? And listen to your body. So, you know, if you're eating and exercising and it doesn't feel good, listen to your body. Don't push too far. And all that I was thinking about was this is yoga. Mm. Like I hear that from my yoga instructors all the time like you go into the into the class and they immediately tell you do what you can today listen to your body don't push yourself too far what you're doing right now is beautiful not everybody looks the same in every pose because every body is different well and the whole idea of of breathing with your belly Mm -hmm. and not sucking in came from a yoga class that I went to so I, I I yeah that makes so much sense And it helps all your muscles too, breathing from your belly. Like Mm -hmm. I was notoriously bad. I mean, I have terrible, I hold my stress in my, in my shoulders and Mm -hmm. my neck and I'm always like scrunching up like this. I have to really focus on dropping my shoulders back. But if I breathe in my belly, I can actually feel my muscles (sighs) in my chest start to relax. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm breathing in my chest, I know they're starting to, to tighten up. But it's like, I've been working on it for two years yeah. and my physiotherapist is like well like you're trying to undo 20 years of holding your stress in your neck and your shoulders so it's going to take a lot of practice but 
Well, and then even just you talking about like the breathing and the physical, all of those were ways to complete your stress response cycle. So in that sense, it actually has that physiological, like multiple physiological as well as emotional benefits, which I mean, I'm two thumbs up for for those activities that check both boxes. Yes, please. Well, and yoga, like anyone can do yoga, right? Like there are people in the class that are very thin and there's people that are much larger and everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. And and like the instructor says, not everybody looks the same in every pose and you take your body to where it can go today or yeah. where it needs to go today, right? Yeah. And I really, it's about your, your mind and your body and your, your soul all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I love yoga and I think that that just sang to me when I read that that yeah. section because I was like, I, I do this and I feel better. I feel so much better when I go to yoga. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, I'm not an expert by any chance or any means, but I'm like, I am getting, I know I'm getting better. But I think that makes it more authentic though. Like you don't have to necessarily be, and there are incredible yoga experts out there. I, but one of our friends is, is one of those like amazing yoga instructors who changes people and totally gets them in touch with their, like you said, their soul, their soul. But as just like an average person, knowing that experience is is I think that's that's special like that's amazing yeah like you can actually feel fulfilled Mm -hmm. and it's not a sport where it's a a competitive sport right it's totally individual yeah yeah okay and the second one Um, oh right yeah strategy two the strategy two is, and I love this. I love it too. You are the new hotness, they call it. So I think this story in there, and I can I borrow your book for a yeah, second? Because yeah. I don't have mine. Uh, so they talk about how um, people, who is it? Is it the sisters? Yes. So Amelia, or I can't remember. I, I didn't read this. But basically, one of them isn't feeling good about how they look. And then buys an article of clothing. Oh, she's getting ready for a conference or something, right? I think that's what it is. She's getting ready for a conference and it's like, gets finally finds her outfit, gets dressed and she's still not feeling, or not the way that she thought she was going to like look. Right. Yeah. And she buys this beautiful um, outfit, whatever it is, uh, finding, uh, anyway, so she puts it on. And looks stunning. Mm-hmm. And the comment is, I am the new hotness. Like, I look great. <laughs> yeah. And I loved that. Because mm-hmm. you, I mean, sometimes you put on clothes and you're like, I look beeping great right now. <laughs> and then, yes. you know, you look at, at the other clothes on the shelf. And I mean, for me, I can't wear those straight clothes for skinny people. Because I have the hips and I have a bigger chest so I can't fit into the clothes that are on the models yeah. in the stores but occasionally I find clothes that look really good and I love that they call it the new hotness because it like you're kind of bucking the status quo right like you're yeah. wearing something maybe it is on a mannequin but it looks good on you dang good and it, that's like I and I like this as like a compliment to pay to people like you are hotness yes like that. That's right. The mm. new hotness because you don't have to be that that skinny person Mm-mm. on TV or in a magazine. Nope. Right? Not everyone. I mean, how many people are supermodels for real? Like one. Very few. <laughs> right? So you can be hot and not be a supermodel. And I Absolutely. loved that. Absolutely. So much. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Okay, your turn. So then strategy three, and I like this, is everybody is the new hotness. So... <laughs> One of the examples it gives is, um, well, I'm sorry, one example. It talks about Lindy West, who is a, she's a writer, she's a comedian, and a, she's a fat positive activist. That's the, the phrase or the term that's given. She discovered her new hotness. She looked through Leonard Nimoy's The Full Body Project. And so I went and I Googled it. Okay, it is yes. literally like a book full of pictures of plus sized or Mm -hmm. or not the ideal sized women completely nude yeah they are dancing there's one where they're like singing not singing i just assumed they were singing because it felt appropriate like when you're in a circle holding hands with people you're dancing but like why wouldn't you be singing 
Yeah, it makes sense. Right, it's just like, yeah. la, 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 like whatever it is, like just <laughs> noises. But there's like, and the joy on these women, on these women's faces was so, it was hotness. Like it was mm. so beautiful because whatever thought that I, whatever judgment I wanted to have, you cannot deny the smile. And Whoa. it was like, that it was, was one just, of my burns. it was, it was beautiful. So, um, one of the things when I first read the chapter and I've been practicing this for, for a little bit. So I'm going to talk about it more in my like burn, but this idea of like really seeing the beauty in all people so that everybody is the new hotness. It's not restricted to one singular or not even just restricted to yourself or the people that are in your immediate circle. Everybody in their own right is the new hotness, mm -hmm. which I, I loved. Okay. And strategy number four is high body, what do you need? Oh, I love it. And this one comes with a mini activity, which I'll go over in the burn. Um, but one of the things that human givers learn very quickly is that their bodies are not for them. They're for other people. Mm -hmm. So what we stop doing is listening to our bodies. We pay attention to like what our head tells us, but we stop actually listening to what our body is telling us. And I think we're missing out on, on signals that it is sending us. So it gives some advice for how to just stop and actually communicate with your body. And the idea that it's probably going to take time mm -hmm. because change happens gradually. And again, you said this before too, you're unlearning years and years of a very fixed mindset yep. about about body and what body should look like. So actually getting in touch with your body and talking to it and listening. And I think I, I see that as such an individualized activity for every person based on what feels right. There's not some standardized way to do it. So even as I discussed the mini activity in a little bit, that's just one way to do it. I mean, yeah, it's it's it opens up a lot of possibilities for like building a new relationship with yourself. Yes, and I, I love it. It's actually kind of like self-compassion, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah that's, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're actually, the whole like, hi, body. What do you need today? Right. That, that, that in itself, I feel like is self-compassion. Well, it is. Because if, if you were sad, yeah. my, my response would be, Elena, what do you need? What can I do for you? And I would offer you compassion. I would offer yeah. you empathy and strength, right? I would be kind and compassionate towards mm -hmm. you if you were struggling with something. But I wouldn't do the same for myself. No. Right? So it's about treating yourself the same way as you would treat someone yeah. else who is struggling. I, I, very, I really like that correlation. Mm -hmm. <sighs> well, that's the chapter. That is the chapter. In a nutshell. <laughs> It's so good, though. I think Ugh. even if you don't read the book, just read this chapter. Chapter five. And I think it's applicable to everyone, whether you think you're struggling with your body image or not. Because yeah. for, for people who don't struggle with their mm -hmm. body image, people who do enjoy thin privilege, mm -hmm. um, it really opens your eyes to, oh my gosh, like mm -hmm. everyone else is struggling with something that I'm just naturally able to do. Yes. And I know some people you know, restrict what they eat, they don't enjoy whatever, you know, mm -hmm. they cut foods out uh, in order to drop weight, they exercise like mad so that they can look good. Mm -hmm. But it, exercising is really about health. Exercising does make you healthier for sure yeah. in almost every way. Yeah. So exercising for health is different than exercising for thinness. And I will mm. totally like encourage people to exercise to be healthy, but don't I, I, you know, if you're just going to the gym to run for three hours so that you can burn calories so that you are skinny, you're not really doing it for the right reasons, right? No. Because you're just trying to live up to that made up freaking bikini industrial mm -hmm. complex. Yeah. Not for your own health. Mm -hmm. And once you do things for your own health, your mindset changes a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are we going to talk about our burns? Let's burn. Okay. Okay. I went first last time. So this is all you. How do you remember? I, you keep, you've been keeping notes? I re-listened to the episode. Oh, good. Well, I, I appreciate that you did that. Yeah. So my one big burn was about yoga. So I already talked about that. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really need to talk about that again. 
Um, although I think it's important to state that I think a lot of people believe yoga is only for a certain body type of people, like mm. maybe even like a little bit hoity-toity, right? Right. But it's not. Um, there's some very good uh, inclusive yoga studios here in Lethbridge even. Okay, amazing. Yeah, like I go to Inspire Hot Yoga, mm-hmm. and I originally thought I would hate hot yoga because I do not like heat. Like I don't mm. like, I mean, I like going to the beach, but I don't like laying on the beach because I hate being overheated. How do you feel about exfoliation songs? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's another episode. That's um, that's a little lovely reminder for uh, <laughs> for a very great time. That's right. Okay. Um, but uh, Daniel Vincent is the owner of Inspire Hot Yoga mm-hmm. and he is like uber inclusive. Very like cool. every time I go in there, I feel like I belong there. That's... Yeah. And that's the, that's an environment that's created. Like that has to be, totally. that's an intention. It's very intentional yeah. and it's beautiful. But, and there's lots of other great yoga studios. That's just the oh, one cool. that I'm currently going to. So my other burn was essentially about the BMI mm. being a nonsense measure of physical health because it's not. And how it has led to um, size discrimination being totally like totally acceptable yes like it people say all the time they they are so prejudiced towards larger people but it just perpetuates the this impossible ideal like mm-hmm. not all people can be skinny no it's not possible um, well the whole idea of like there being a singular size that is acceptable to society at large is it's insane and then we spend how much of our like i i can safely say i have spent the vast majority of my Mm -hmm. life feeling terrible about myself because i don't look like what an ideal woman is supposed to look like the vast majority of my life yeah hating what i see when i look in the mirror oh my god and that's um if you've experienced that hatred of looking at yourself in the mirror i think and that's potentially triggering for a lot of people because it it is like you know what that feels like and it's terrible heartbreaking it is and And it's inescapable in a lot of ways too it is inescapable yeah yeah and you know going to the doctor like you go to oh your bma is high but you're active so that's okay so what does that mean so am i okay or not okay like (laughs) like you're you're telling me that it, it this is bad but it's okay like, should I do anything about it? Yeah. But I, I, I do think that most doctors know that weight loss plans don't really work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you can lose weight temporarily, but then you gain it back right away. Yeah. Um, but even men suffer from the bikini industrial complex. Like, look at the men that are portrayed in magazines. Oh, my God. That, that feels right. like, equally think, ridiculous. Think of underwear ads. Right? Like, how on earth can everybody look like that? You can't. No. So, be, we need to learn to be comfortable with who we are. And I think I am becoming more comfortable with, with who I am. Um, but it takes time. It takes I feel like time. it's gotten easier with age to some degree. Like, the older I've gotten, the more I'm willing to accept things that I realize that's not something I actually need to stress about changing. And, mm-hmm. like, me being... But why should we have to wait until we're older? It, like oh I'm my almost gosh, yes. I'm almost 50 years old and I spent all of my teenage years and young adult years mm-hmm. stressing and worrying about it. Why? And <laughs> like, and one of the things that it made me think of too is as women who have children, you sacrifice your body completely mm-hmm. to bring another human. You made a person Mm-hmm. And brought it into the world, and then we are somehow expected to just like then present in a very set amount of time the way that we were before. Yeah. No, no, all it my shit's come moved back. around. It like everything's come back. different, and and I'm sorry, I made a human. Yeah, but that's not the focus. It's beautiful baby, and where's beautiful mom? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where that new hotness comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So. That that is your new hotness after you have a baby, or you know after you experience something. I, and I think that's when, especially after 
well, a few years after, so like now actually, maybe, <laughs> I was going to say a few years after John was born, but he's three. So <laughs> it has yeah. been a few years. It ha- yeah, it's been a few years, but I think I'm finally like, no, this is, this is who I am. Yeah. And that's not what I bring to the world. The shape of us as people, that's not what we bring to the world. No, I don't think so. No. Well, that's why, I mean, and I had this highlighted, this was my other burn here. Mm. Like, we always say, look good, feel good, right? So oh, you, yep. if you look good, then you'll feel good. But I think we need to change it to, if you feel good, you look good. Because when you feel good, you actually smile differently. Yeah. Right? You you smile so that your eyes smile. You don't just get that fake little, like, look at my teeth, right? And your eyes don't respond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people know. People know when, when you're having a true smile. and like then, a genuine. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, you look good. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you have a genuine smile, people see that and they appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, those were great, Jen. Thank you for sharing. What was your burn? Okay. Um, So every semester for my grade 12s, I like ever since I started teaching grade 12 a decade ago, I've had students write a letter to me. Um, And in one of those letters, I'll never forget this. And I took the quote right from one of those letters. The student said, I want to see my worth. And they were talking specifically about the worth they saw when they like, when they looked in the mirror or saw their, their physical self. So they have related physical well-being to emotional well-being, beauty to good, and WTF. Like this idea of like, of, of morality, I'm a good person because I look, look this way mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And I wrote this and this is like, I just have WTF Ugh. with like exclamation marks and question marks written everywhere. A made up or artificial importance is the cause of self-harm and death. So totally. And I thought about, okay, what kind of arbitrary, ridiculous thing could we make up that parallels and I was thinking we could literally tell big ad companies to be like listen we only wear gray from now on and to wear any color other than gray is unhealthy it's arbitrary it's stupid it's based on a personal preference as opposed to actual science and now suddenly we live in a gray world and everyone adheres to it that's the equivalent of what yeah that yeah now I'm gonna wear color yeah, you are. And I'm going to have hips and things are going to jiggle and I don't care. Yeah. I I'm, don't care. I'm starting to not care. Yeah. Well, I say that super confidently right now, but like obviously it's so ingrained in how we see ourselves. It so. is, but it is I, like read the chapter because oh, it me, really, please. it really helps you understand that it's not you. No. It is the, it is the bikini industrialized complex and I'm trying to find what I wrote I can't find it how I was like it it isn't anything it is a hundred percent made up it's just media and capitalism <gasps> and the patriarchy the that's well, what the it fact is that it's it's was this like again 19th century men being like whoa my my wife is is thin and and fragile and she can't work and that shows how wealthy I am because I can support two people so he looked better if his wife was unhealthy like, just, the, I know it makes the no patriarchy. sense. Actually, in Kate Man, Man's book, she talks about um, where this idea of thinness started. Mm. And because clearly, previously, largeness was what you wanted to be, right? Yep. But she, I mean, I guess, I don't know if this is the place to talk about this. But she puts forth that um, it actually might come from... Um, uh, moving out of slavery and the American uh, dislike for people of color because Holy. people of color traditionally have larger bodies, right? And so oh my you God. can't be like that because otherwise you'd be similar to a person of color. So it's entrenched in, in, in racist ideals. Oh, totally. Holy. Actually, there is oh a quote in her book and I feel I should have kept it. I, I mean, I did highlight it, but I can't remember what it is. Um, I'll, maybe I'll look for it. And we can put it in a... In we'll, a we'll add it to our Instagram yeah, post Instagram for this post. episode. Okay. But how it, it wasn't like this idea of 
ah, I can't, I'll, I'll make a mistake. Okay. But about which one came first. And it's so oh, powerful. Yeah. But now like, just because, you know, white people need to still be superior, being thin is something <laughs> that we can just accomplish, right? Genetically. Uh. And so, that's, and that's, I'm glad then we talked about the, like the thin privilege. Cause it really is. It's that intersectionality of, of totally, all of it actually totally. being very, very entrenched in each other. Yep. It is. Stupid. And do you know who the worst is? Women. Women are the worst. We're so mean to, to each other, other to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're so mean to ourselves that it then makes sense for us to be mean to other people. Because the bikini industrial Stupid. complex has been gaslighting you. It's been gaslighting us. Yes. But this is an... Can can I can I segue you into yeah segue you <laughs> into my segue um, the beautiful activity and I wrote okay. case study me Aww. <laughs> so when I read the chapter a few weeks ago one of the challenges it gives is is this beautiful activity where you look at someone or you encounter another person there's your initial judgment and it's it's a lot of times going to be negative which says a lot about people in society but. You put aside that and you try to immediately after say this phrase, she is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it enough that it, I didn't question why I was saying it. I just knew I believed that person was beautiful. And it was such a refreshing realization that you can kind of like rewrite certain things that have been normalized in your life. So this is, I guess, something I want to continue doing. I didn't see this as like a short term, but I want to keep looking at the people in my life and being, they are beautiful. He is beautiful. She is beautiful. They are the new hotness. The new hotness. Whatever it is, but that, that really changed my perception maybe in a way that's allowed me to be a little bit more compassionate with myself too because I'm not judging or trying very hard to resist that urge because again right. it's so ingrained it's so ingrained but we talked about that in our in our presentation right like yeah. the more that you um practice being non-judgmental mm-hmm. the less judgmental you are so on true. yourself yeah yeah absolutely it was good okay is there is there any I had I had one other little thing that I was going to add, if that's okay. Yes, go ahead. So in the workbook um, that goes along with burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle, there's a section of questions that for that fourth strategy, the high body, what do you need? And it's an activity that they says take about 15 minutes and and there is quite a few questions, but I'd, I'd like to give, share a few of the questions that I thought might be helpful. Mm-hmm. So just that very like initial, what do you need? And not listening to your head, but listening to what your body says. And yes. they say that it might come as a feeling or a thought or a vision or a sensation, but the more you listen, the easier it's going to be to, to actually hear it. Yeah, you have to practice. Yeah. So the what do you need? How are you feeling? Is anything wrong? Um, are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you lonely? But really getting down to a lot of those experiences that we're very quick to dismiss. Dismiss. Yep. Which I thought was was. Well, and they have this, like, be mindful without judgment. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, as you were talking. Mindfully without judgment. That's how you answer these questions. Because if you do answer them with judgment, you're never going to get an answer. And until you start listening to your body, you're never going to be happy with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you shared those. Those are important. And And along with the, like, she is so beautiful sentiment, I... I want it. I want to start asking myself, and as someone who suffers from mental illness, and I'm not currently suffering, so like, am I thriving with mental illness right now? I don't know, but I'm in like a definitely like an up place right now where my depression does not run my life, which is I'm, I'm ten out of ten recommend, freaking fantastic. <laughs> but I'm so used to checking in with my head, yes, because so much of like of of how I feel, how I see the world is is filtered through the lens of my brain and whatever the de- whatever depression is like what you're supposed to be yeah whatever that Danny depression is doing up there yeah. just messing with everything and making it really hard to love myself asking my body how it feels and mm-hmm. if it's if 
if my body is not my mind is lonely is my body lonely do I miss that like connectedness with someone it I don't know it feels like a very refreshing process to do something I definitely want to try on like a regular basis and doesn't it seem like such a fundamental thing to do oh my gosh but we just beat that out of people totally from childhood like don't worry about oh you're sad get over it oh you're lonely Mm. find something to do oh you're bored go be on board like we never give I shouldn't say never we don't often Mm. talk about the tools that you need to be able to handle those emotions and so the learned behavior is to ignore the emotions when really you shouldn't like acknowledging that you're lonely Mm. would be a huge step and you know what loneliness is a human emotion everybody experiences it (laughs) you're not the only person in the world who has ever felt lonely and you know what a lot of people came out of it and recovered and you can too Mm -hmm. you just have to allow yourself to sit in that discomfort of that emotion well they talk about accepting the mess right like just sit in all those contradictory sometimes odd feelings but it's 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 worth it it's part of being a human being yeah Mm -hmm. and when when we were just just during this conversation, you got me thinking that we, when we start like thinking ill of ourselves, that's not healthy. No. It's, it's like the antithesis of health. Now, there is a an individual who I taught many years ago. They were valedictorian, incredibly academic, educated. Um, she ended up in the hospital after grad because her lungs started failing and I went up to Calgary and we sat together in the hospital and I just like I couldn't believe this horrible thing was happening to such an incredible person and I maybe overstepped a little at the time but I asked her is it possible that that the perfectionist attitude that that need to be quote-unquote perfect cannot have a physiological result And she said one of the doctors that she had talked to actually kind of brought that up. So this idea that we can actually make ourselves ill or Mm -hmm. our body will produce physiological um, illnesses or responses to tell us, hey, like, don't do this anymore. No, bad, bad. Like, stop it. But that's your body telling you you shouldn't be doing this. But what you think about is I'm a failure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I, I. I. would really like to do our next study on perfectionism, but we'll see. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. It's. I. I think a lot of students struggle with. Yes. With perfectionism because they don't understand. That they don't have to be perfect. Mm-mm. Anyway, so what's the toolkit for this particular episode? What did you have? If people only knew. That it's all a freaking lie, <laughs> then maybe they'd be a little bit more okay. Yeah, that's pretty much what I said too. This is where I wrote it. (laughs) If people only knew that the bikini industrial complex doesn't care about your health, Mm. it's capitalism and patriarchy working to give you a hope, a false hope of attaining impossible goals that aren't even yours. They're not even your goals. No, someone else is like, hey, here's your goals. And then we're like, okay, Okay. I guess I'm doing that. Yeah, but I can't. And I've been, you know, nine months... I don't know why I said nine months, but like eating less, exercising lots and nothing's happening. And mm. I'm actually feeling worse about myself because I'm no longer eating carbs or whatever diet I miss it is that pasta. you're on. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. But then I said, if they only knew that, mm-hmm. then they would strive to be healthy and move well to the degree that makes them happy and be able to do what they need to do. To live a happier life with mm-hmm. yourself that you love. I like that. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I thought of is like, I was like, how do I rebrand that? Like, I want to be, I want to be fit. Now it's that like, I want to be able to do a cartwheel better than my kid. And I want to be able to outrun them for as many years as possible. Those are my health goals. Those are your health goals. And maybe there's some weird deep seated something that I need to look at there. (laughs) But this idea of like us challenging each other in a way that pushes us to be, to pay attention to our bodies. I think that's the intention. And I also just really like cartwheels. Cartwheels are fun. Will has to do them for judo and he's like gets better and better. So I really need to perfect mine before he gets really good at them so that I can continue to be a role model to my child. Oh, I like that. (laughs) I haven't done a cartwheel for a long time. Neither have I. I don't know why I still think I'm good at them. (laughs) 
I wonder. I'm going to try one. When I pulled both my hammies, please know that it was because I was doing doing cartwheels. I was doing cartwheels, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. Okay. Um, That, wow. This was, thank you. Thank you. This, for a frustrating episode, it actually, there was some good kind of guidance at the end. And I love the way that they're able to give you the facts that hurt and then but then also solutions well and they give them to you in such a way that you realize that like you you are very capable and very Mm -hmm. beautiful and all this stuff that you think about yourself is totally incorrect it's made up by people who want to make money and do you know what else i just thought of jen elena you are the new hotness As are you. We are the new hotness. Hey, everyone. We are the new hotness. And, and you, you are, are the too. new hotness. <laughs> that's that telepathy thing that's we right, have going that's in. That's right. Okay, cool. Well, um, this episode's coming out. We'll be back in studio in a week or so to record one for two Wednesdays from now. So two weeks, we'll have another episode. And we've only got a few chapters left in the book, I know, I'm too, sad. which is, it's coming to an end mm-hmm. but then it's funny that we're both already thinking about what our next season is going to be about yeah, we so are we are buckle up y'all <laughs> this is fun i really enjoy it okay do you have your closing i do <gasps> i chose it specifically for this chapter oh i chose mine specifically because it made me laugh okay <laughs> okay um do I, who goes first i don't know yeah. okay i'll go first okay gotta go hippo Oh, my God. (laughs) Ciao, ciao, brown cow. (laughs) Season one of You Sow What You Hope to Reap is based on the book Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. This episode was written, planned, researched, and recorded by Jen Scott and Elena Mormon, edited by Elena Mormon, music by Silas Clausen, and artwork by Abigail Reimer.